Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. All powers to oppressed people, African power to an African people, and black power. It's your brother and host, Chairman Yang and Kuma, People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, coming to you again today on another Sunday, man. And like always, I am honored that you take this time to spend it with us, the people, at the People's Party, and just with me in particular. Just to let us, you know, uh, an opportunity to rap. Like I always say, this is your platform and form. This is an opportunity you, uh, for you to express with us, to share with us, to jump in on the conversations, to let us know where you're at with it. You know, it's nothing, man. The movement is nothing without the pulse of the people. Today, the movement is nothing without the pulse of the people. I think too many times uh, in our movement and in our struggle, so-called leaders or progressive groups think that they have to tell the people what the problem is. The people know what the problem is. The people are looking for solutions, which leads us into our show, man, which is a glimpse into tomorrow. And I'm hoping the young comrade can call in. Uh, you know, there's been a little difficulty uh, getting him right now, but I'm, I'm hoping that he can call in and be able to share with us. And why this show is important and why this particular young man, First, I'll go into a little bit of why this show is important, because I want to save the introduction should the brother get through. I want to save this introduction for the brother should the brother get through, because I think that he's a dynamic young man and just an example of the young brothers and sisters that are out there that are ready to participate in their own uh, struggle for liberation. You can't sleep on the young people. You can't sleep on the young people. And I call them young people now, not just the youth. I think youth gives this bad connotation. When we say youth, 
I think somewhere in our mind we begin to think like in teenage or, you know, just, you know, kids. But when you say young people, and this is why I say young people, because we're dealing with young people that are dealing with adult issues. Some of these young people have children. So we're talking about young fathers, young mothers. Uh, some of these young people, unfortunately, have substance problems. They suffer uh, not just chemical abuse, which is really rampant in amongst our young people and in the black community. It's so rampant that they've created a subculture around it to accept it. The music reflects it. What is that one song, my man, Future, no disrespect, Future, but shit, we got to call a spade a spade, Molly Percocet, Molly Percocet. You know what I'm saying? They the drug culture is so prevalent amongst our youth that they've created a subculture to justify its existence. Molly Perkins said, "Real talk. This is some real shit going on." So um, what that does is it begins to not only for amongst those young people that have real talent, for amongst those young people that have real potential to rise up amongst the uh, ranks and lead them, but it, all, it not only does it dampen that, it also helps to foster that demoralization and demonizing of young people, and we fall right into that trap. We begin to generalize these young people. You know what I'm saying? And when we look at a general eye like that, then we overlook talent and potential right there in our face. And I think that that's very dangerous. So we have to be careful uh, in it being judgmental and in our being judgmental. You know, this is why it's important. And like I said, all of that ties into the culture. With all of that tying into the culture that the young people are facing today, how does that reflect um, with revolutionary ideology and philosophy and just the movement in general? Because real talk, y'all want to talk some real shit? Real talk, we be kind of on like some ancient type shit. We romanticize the movement so much, we trying to resurrect some ancient shit. Facing real problems. Like I said, I mean, no disrespect to Dr. Newton. No disrespect to the comrade Field Marshal George Jackson, but they didn't have to deal with Molly Percocet. Molly Percocet. You know what I'm saying? They didn't have to deal with the uh, gang violence to the extent that we that we dealt with it and the young people have to deal with it. They say, oh, man, it was gangs all the time. Yeah, but y'all gangs weren't like drug cartels, nigga, real talk. They weren't bringing in the money and dealing with the type of military arsenal that are in the hands of young people with no real ideological direction. What I mean by that is young people who really don't see the value of their life, let alone life that is reflective of them, black life. You know what? I just looked at my board. I think this, too, might be my brother. Hold on. So... You know, these issues that we're addressing, we can get up there and talk to be real fly. You know, we can get up there and talk to be real fly. I got your mic open, brother. And I'm a, and, and I'm a, I'm a introduce you. Because here we're dealing with uh, 
You know what work? You got some a little bit of background feed, man. You might want to mute your mic until you want to speak. Okay. Let me let me you still hear that man. feedback a little bit on there? No, that's better. That's a lot better, brother. That's a lot better. Let me let me introduce the brother, man, because I think that that's important, especially when we're talking about the up and coming uh, leadership and comrades, and not just leadership, but comrades that are going to be in the charge and leading the charge. This this young man here, man, I met a while. Back. I can hear that feedback. Well, I can still hear that feedback, brother. A lot like a lot of background noise. Yeah, that's better. This this brother here, man, I uh, had the opportunity to meet years ago. I can't even put how many years when the brother was coming in as the brother came in as a soldier, like a lot of brothers, man, recognized the potential. Brother's family was in it. You know, the brother's not a stranger to danger. He had been groomed to do this. But uh, the brother, brother came in as a soldier, man, boots on the ground from the flyer work to stand in the post. This was the time when we was under Dr. Uh, Malik Zulu Shabazz and the New Black Panther Party. I was fortunate enough to uh, have come back in the party and, uh, man, you know, get in the party with the whole thing. I think at that time I was the minister of justice in Atlanta. And the brother came in, the brother was a soldier with his brothers and his um, uncle and stuff. And, you know, the bullshit happened, like it happens in every party. Long story short, we ended up doing our thing, became Atlanta Decatur uh, Black Panther Party. And the brother from his work rose up the ranks, and the brother was a lieutenant. Now let's jump to the, to the future, man. And so that's why it's such an honor to have a brother on the show, because just from that work, dedication, organizing, putting it in, the brother is now the chairman of 3GP, third generation party down there operating in my city where we begin down at Atlanta, Georgia. I want to introduce my brother, Chairman Work. Work, what's good, man? Black power, my brother. Black power, brother. Black power, man. So, man, like you said, is everything good? Yeah, we can hear you clear. That's good. You know, it's good to have you on, man. Uh, like I said, I was trying to get that good introduction without doing too much, just trying to keep it all the way 21, allowing the people to hear a little bit of who you are. But I'm glad to have you on because what we're talking about now is just the, yeah, you still get a little feedback, but I think I can work with it. What we're talking about now is the, um, the, the state we're in is black people and the way that we should address these problems. And we're talking about what I want to hear from the younger people coming in. Because, like, I always issue the thing. I'm saying I think that some of our ideas and solutions aren't the freshest anymore. You know, I think that we've gotten – political education is very important. Having a base is very important. Having a foundation is very that important. You use, but I think – I think the word that you use, you know, some of our ideas are the freshest. I think that word was perfect. You mm. know, our, some of our ideas are outdated to the time. So, you know, it's, you know, it's imperative that we get a refresh button installed somewhere. So, you know, when we do find ourselves getting stuck in time, you know, our mm. ideas can easily be refreshed. Yeah. Word, 
Well, what are some of the things that you think, like, if uh, we just had this button, this refresh button you're talking about, what are some of the areas in the movement that you would begin to refresh? Um, I think I would first start with refreshing our education. You know, I think a lot of our rhetoric is still surrounded around civil civil rights. I mean, and okay. as we know, you know, with the current stages of the government, as we know, democracy has been compromised. So, you yeah. know, as far as us fighting for civil rights, equal rights, you know, all of these things, you know, that's, you know, we're past that. I mean, at this point, we don't have mm-hmm. any rights. You know, the goal mm-hmm. of the the goal of the government is to strip every state, every country of their sovereignty and, you know, build one world government. So it's like until we yeah. get to the point to where we're educating our people on how to defend ourselves in the face of that specific attack, then we're just simply frozen in time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in my I would mind, totally I would start there first. I would start there in hitting the refresh button and educating people on what the new enemy is. Even though it's an old enemy, just new tactics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that new enemy, you call it specifically what? Well, like, that I'm sorry you, know, you were going in and out. Yeah, like the new enemy, what exactly are you labeling the new enemy? What would you call the new enemy? Um, well, I would call the new enemy, I would call the new enemy, since we're going to put specifics on it, I would call the new enemy the, the ignorance of actually knowing who the enemy is. So it's mm. like, and let me give you an Come example. With that. You know, let me yeah. give you an example. Back then, you know, or back in in history, our enemy was, you know, the white man, the oppressor, you know, to get equal Mm -hmm. rights, to get this, to get that liberation, whatever we want to talk about. But now it's like now that we've, you know, overcome that part of it, I won't say we completely overcome it, but to a certain extent, that part of it has been overcome. It's like now Mm -hmm. as we come into the stages of identifying you know, what are the, the modern-day problems arises a new enemy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that new enemy is the lack of knowing who the enemy is. Yeah. You see yeah. what I'm saying? So, oh, good man. Hell yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good assessment. So my, my whole thing is, you know, re-educating because it's a whole ass, excuse my friend, but it's a whole ass of people out here, so-called teaching. But in my mm-hmm. person, in my own personal opinion, they just preaching because all they talking mm-hmm. about is religion and where we came from and you know who's the origin of life and what happened and this and that. But I mean, mm-hmm. we don't talked about that stuff so much. I mean, we know. Mm-hmm. You know so, what I mean? so the so the new so this next generation coming up. 
Y'all want to know, it, you know, it's like it says no disrespect to history because I didn't hear any disrespect to history or the ancestors. In fact, I thought that was very well put what you said. But let me be clear. So what you're saying is y'all ready to see some progression. You ready to see some action-oriented plans or something? You feel like that, you know, what what we get, what a lot of the organizations are putting out now are just really basically radical history lessons? I feel like what they're putting it, what they're putting in play is a boomerang. You know, they just they're tossing it out there and it's coming back soon. You see what I'm saying? And when I say boomerang, it's like you just teaching us the same stuff you taught us 40 years ago. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And, and as far as education and curriculum, what would like you know when we talk about teaching and educating, which I totally agree. I think that the masses have to be uh, educated to begin to formulate a resistance. They have to know. I like what you said. The enemy is is not knowing that they're the enemy. That as this Uncle Tom right. Right here, buck dancing, boot licking Negro has been a murderer and killer of the black man since the time when they were slapping chapters on us. So I totally agree. How do we begin? But I mean, you know, now the skeptic would say, well, okay, or not even the skeptic, man. This, you know, some so-called revolutionaries would say, these niggas don't see police killing them. They don't see what's happening. How do they not know clearly what the enemy is? And how do you begin to inform them or awaken them? Okay. And I'm glad, I'm glad you went there. And, and the key to that is, is like, you know, they see it. It's not that, you know, like you said, they see it. But see, the problem is, is it's all starting to look like repetition. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The police kill mm-hmm. somebody, we get mad, we go outside. And then for the next eight to nine months, we in the house. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Nothing is getting done. For the next mm-hmm. eight to nine months, we in the house. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I always say this, and I speak firmly on this. The government is prepared for you to go outside and protest and burn down stores and, you know, do all of this retarded stuff. They they prepare for mm-hmm. that. You see what I'm saying? So even to mm-hmm. them, you know how you know how you run into those Uncle Toms and they say, what 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 they say when you run into them? Um, they say, um, you know, y'all don't want to get together until something happens. You know, that's, 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 where, right. that, that's right. where that boomerang comes in without talking about that repetition. It's like, we mm-hmm. only want to get together when something real happens, when somebody get killed. So, you know, it, it's all mm-hmm. like, don't play the race card. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Because it's mm-hmm. all like repetition. They feel like, oh, mm-hmm. you only want to get up and do something about stuff being done when, when, it, when it's on your back porch. Yeah. But let it be in your neighbor yeah. yard and you overlook it. <laughs> so it's like Absolutely. you know I feel like that's why a lot of people is starting to overlook it cause they ain't seeing nothing new it's the same old thing mm-hmm. you know we riot mm-hmm. you know Geyer get 10 years and we go away lightly you know that's a perfect example mm-hmm. of something that we should have been applying nothing but pressure to I mean yeah. when we out here yeah. getting 10 to 15 20 30 years of robbery and here she is not committing murder in cold blood mm-hmm. in the first degree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they gave her mm-hmm. 10 years. But what we do, mm-hmm. 
We just like, hey, we ain't gonna get no justice anyway, so fuck it. Yeah, yeah. When you, so you for know, me, one of the just things, to answer that question. Mhm. No, go ahead. I'm listening. Go ahead, listening brother. For you to answer that question. No, I want to hear your answer to that question. Yeah, oh, that, so I'd like to, your answer. To, yeah. to to answer that question about what should we do is bring in a refresh button. You know, let's mm-hmm. not react to things the way that we normally react to them. Let's take a different approach mm-hmm. of reactionary. You know, let's I, let's go you, at it and say, hey, you know, we're not gonna do the same thing that we we're not gonna do what they expect and then fall right into their trap. We're gonna do something different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I like about that whole response? I hear a couple of things. One of the things I want to address, I hear the uh, what, and I and I totally agree. What the what you're saying, and right now I'm putting a lot of weight on your shoulders as a representative representative of the youth. You know, and listen, this is black, this is people Black Panther Party, uh, Blog Talk Radio, call in plus one if you want to say something. This is our platform as a people, an opportunity for you to express yourself. We're talking with Chairman Woke, UGP, third generation uh, Panthers out of Atlanta, Georgia. And if you want to know, you know, what the young people are talking about, we have an opportunity to question him directly. Uh, and like my man saying, hit the request button. I want to go back, though, and talk about something you had said and what it points out to me when you were saying about this white and black rhetoric. And I think that that's so true. I think that the young people are saying that that struggle, though it's not over, it has been addressed. And it has been addressed enough to the point that we have to look past the color issue by itself. We looked at the color issue and we said, you know, we looked at the white black issue and we said, okay, we can get past that through integration. Through if they assimilate, the color issue would be gone. We assimilated, we accommodated. Some of us got to run, some of us bought into the whole American dream and America in its uh, trickery you know what I'm saying, allowed some black folks to have a little bit of money. So we bought into that, but we found out even with your money, even with your so-called success, that you're still a nigga. So that didn't address the rest of the We went into the black power, and we looked, we addressed directly the race issue, and we begin to flirt with the idea. I'm not flirt with the idea. Shit, I ain't even going to disrespect it like that. We looked at the idea of independence. We looked at that. We got the uh, Republic of New Africa, the provisional government of the Republic of New Africa. We flirted out of that. Uh, you know, a lot of great organizations right now that I can't think of that were about independence, black nationalism, establishing our own, were really perfect in this era and really charged in this era. Uh, one of the problems, though, was, and what I hear the young people addressing, too, is a domesticated people trying to find their freedom. What I mean is a people that have been intentionally, purposely uh, bred and trained and raised and cultivated 
to participate in this system in the manner in their station of life that fuels this system. To always be a perpetual victim. I call it a victim. Some people are, are a battle. Some people call it a battle. To always be on it. So now you got people that have always been totally dependent on a system talking about independence. So this is the question that our young people are facing. Now. So it's not about just a white black thing. It's about economic, political, and social independence and complete separation. You know, we're looking at though on a real thing, uh, and like uh, Chairman Work says, it starts with the education. It starts with knowing that you have an enemy. My thing, Work too, is actual uh, transformational programs. What are some of the programs that we can some actual working action to put in place? Because one of the things I'm tired of seeing is us, like you said, reactionary politics, reactionary revolutionary politics. Something happens to us, we run out, ah, we scream it. The same way with, and this is not knocking our feeding programs because they are needed. But I always say this, they can't be just a social band-aid. Work, I'm getting a lot of, it's a lot, a lot of feedback. Yeah, my bad. I'm driving so in the car. I'm on. Okay, until you just jump in. Yeah, muted. So a lot of our programs are really what I call social band-aids. They are feel-good programs. You know, we um, do the feeding programs, and that's good because we're feeding for a day. We might even feed for two or three days. But <clears throat> one of our things, our main purpose at the People's Black Panther Party of Self-Determination, and a lot of groups that I know of, is about what's the old adage? You can give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day, teach him how to fish, he'll eat forever. It's about self-sufficiency and independence, self-determination. What are some programs or something we can do, Chairman, that will begin to aid this transformational process from dependency on an oppressive state to complete and total independence and liberation for African people? Okay, so if, if we're going to discuss programs, then, and I'm, I'm glad you went there because in my mind, you know, apart from education, then there's infrastructure, if you follow. Mm-hmm. See, even if we look at the time of where our enemy is right now, they're solely focused on infrastructure, whether it be yeah. tag readers and cameras on the light poles or whether it be, you know, putting up more concrete at the borders or whether it's let's bring in more troops, it's our infrastructure. And for us, mm-hmm. you know, the first thing first, just like the pastor said, you know, the, the ability to take our own destinies into our own hands. Right on. In control of right our on. own destinies. And the only way to do that mm-hmm. is through infrastructure, by creating business or creating that it, this is not even put business in. You know, even if we was mm-hmm. just to say, even if we was to pick up a fraction of what Black Wall Street did, just a fraction mm-hmm. of it. You know, we own the grass, we build the building, and then we put the business in. And then that way, mm-hmm. it's like you know, you know, so that black, that black community. You know, earlier when you was talking. You said something about integration. And see, Mm -hmm. that was the strongest weapon that the enemy used against us, integration. 
you know, the black mm-hmm. man was strong. Like, like I was listening to Malcolm X earlier before we came on. And that was one thing he mm. said, you know, when you don't want your, when you don't, when you get some black coffee, it's normally because it's too strong. <laughs> but it's like, if you don't want your black coffee that strong, then what you do? You know, you blend it with a little cream. Yeah. 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 So, you know, integration was a key. You see what I'm saying? If we, if we, if we mm. make them with it, with, if we, you know, if we integrate them with everybody else, then we're getting less niggas. Let's just put it out there mm-hmm. and integrate it. You know what I mean? If we integrate mm-hmm. them and mix breed them and cross breed them, then you know, we we spitting out something else and we, we getting less niggas. Mm-hmm. So it's like for mm-hmm. me it's the infrastructure because it's like if if I'm a black man saying that I don't trust white people, I don't trust Asians, but I gotta go into an Asian hospital. Well I have to go into a Caucasian mm-hmm. hospital. Then that's just showing that you know, whatever I'm supporting has the lack of infrastructure. It's like Absolutely. if I'm trying to go into the schoolhouse to get black history, but I got to go to a white man's school, then that's clearly showing that, you know, whatever I'm supporting has the lack of infrastructure. So for mm-hmm. me, it would be focusing on, it, it would be focusing on two things, security. Because, I mean, even if you build something, you have to be able to protect it. That's just bottom line. That's status quo. Yeah. If I put up a pyramid yeah. right now, or if I build a temple of gold, then you know my first and foremost thing is going to be what? Security. How can we protect it? Security, yep. How can we keep yep. it out? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to just say infrastructure, mm-hmm. just to, you know, sound it all up. Yeah. Yeah, man, I couldn't agree more, man. This is such a wonderful conversation because I don't have to say anything. I couldn't agree more. You know, uh, just that lack of infrastructure. And, this, and that's the difference between, uh, you know, a group of people in a nation. And I think that that's one of the key things that we have to focus on. We don't see ourselves as a nation. You know what I'm saying? So if we're not seeing ourselves as a nation, we don't get the benefits that people in the nation do. What I mean by work, can you put it on mute real quick? Until we jump on it, because you're going to come back in a minute. And what I mean by that is people who operate or see themselves in a nation get the benefits of that because they operate that way economically, socially, politically, anything. They, they operate from a group perspective. What is in the best interest of the people? Us being a people that don't see ourselves as a nation you know what I'm saying, and know that we're not accepted as American citizens, there again, I say, become <clears throat> the cattle or the chattel property of America, per se. It's no longer any one white man owning slavery. America is the slave master. The new slave master of the Negro, the African-American, the more, the, the whoop-a-whoop, the yappa-yappa, whatever niggas are calling themselves today. If you have melanin in your skin or classified in the Negroid class by the, by the white oppressing ruling elite, then you're who I'm talking to. You're slave master in the American government or the American system. Because of our lack of relating and operating as a nation, our money is scattered. 
our social morals and ethics aren't solid. And what I mean by that is any group that comes up with any new idea, who are the first people that they come to? Black people. Do we love a tree club? We can marry a tree club. They're going to come in the black community, find any disgruntled black folk, and and get them and start equating that struggle to the black struggle, just like they didn't let black people do this and that. They don't let us marry trees. And we pimp our struggle. We allow people to pimp our struggle, to use our struggle and everything, and we buy into that rhetoric, like the young man was saying. We so into the black and white steel. We're so into trying to find who an enemy is or clearly defy who our enemy is because we understand we feel the effects of an enemy. We're like, shit, I can't get ahead for nothing. So I feel the effects of an enemy, but who is my enemy? So white man, the devil, cracker, peckerwood, hoogee, honky, whatever we're calling them, has become the persona of all the oppression that we feel as, uh, uh, as black African people in America. So I understand the psychology behind that. What, you know, and that's one thing, but what happens is people pimp that. They pimp that race card. And they pimp it so much that we even, we find a relief when white people start talking about the race card in our favor. Let a white boy say slavery was wrong, we was wrong, the white man was wrong, we apologize, black man. You the God of the earth. You the original man. And I'm going to tell you all about how you the original man. For 1995, you can buy my book off eBay. And niggas buying these crackers books off eBay and they CDs and stuff because some cracking and told them that. So we really buy into that. But like the brother says, when we create an infrastructure, that we run and we start to get this white messiah, white ISIS colder, colonized mentality out of our minds, we can begin to progress and we understand that it's going to have to die off. I know a lot of people are not religious. I'm an old, I'm one of them brothers that is not so much that I'm religious, but I grew up in black households, so it was always some type of religion being espoused. So I take from the story of Moses, when he wandered, and he had to wander for like 30 more years till them old heads died off, till the grumbling and the complainers died off, till the brothers like work now, I'm saying, and sisters like what I'm saying, who can't clearly defy the enemy, who try to smoke screen us with still the simple, basic race rhetoric and reactionary revolutionary tactics, and who aren't into institution building and defending. Like Chairman said, very important to build the institution and be able to, to defend the institution. Right? So we're so all over the place by this certain leadership still trying to maintain and retain leadership in their past, their time. Listen, one of the most, you know, a, 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 one of the most pathetic sights is watching a leader pass their time trying to lead. I can remember, you know, I used to go up to, I used to live upstate. Work, I'm going to bring you back in. I ain't going to get on a tangent. I used to live upstate New York, and I used to go to uh, SUNY uh, University and hang out up there. with. I was an activist then. Hang up there, though, with the Palestinian students. And uh, in my hanging out with the Palestinian freedom fighters, uh, one of them said something that was interesting, talking about Yasser Arafat, the chairman of the Palestinian Liberation Organization, the PLO. We're talking about Yasser Arafat. And he said that Yasser Arafat, 
should have stepped down. This is when Yasser Arafat, or Muhammad Ali, God have mercy on him, was living. But he said Yasser Arafat should have stepped down because he was getting old. I said, man, that's kind of, why would you say that? What does that mean? He says that when you get older, you get tired. You don't have as much fight. You begin, like Yasser Arafat was beginning to compromise and beginning to listen more to the other side and like, well, maybe it ain't that bad. And he said, because older people have seen a lot of blood. They've seen a lot of death. They've seen a lot of things in that tired. You have to pass the torch to that young fiery blood. And I understand that. A lot of what uh, uh, Chairman is saying may be sour to the ears for a lot of us older because we have gotten stuck in that. It's hard for us to see where the next wave is going because the issues that face them are so different. It's not a clear cut of them trying to find their place in society. See, some of us are still fine. We're still fighting the fight of integration or separation. We're still fighting that. Integrate or separate. Integrate with them or separate. The young people are fighting the fight of self-determination. They say, look, we here. Y'all fighting that fight separate. We're here. How uh, can we be empowered? Y'all fighting integration, separation. We're fighting your integration or, or separation is about self-determination. How can we be empowered? Look, I'm going to open up the mic to you, man. Something you want to jump in there and say? You see that, brother? Let me see. You see that, brother? I, I was just getting everything under control. But, yeah, it's, okay. it's, it's a grand thing that you went there because, <coughs> excuse me, I'm getting over a bit of a cold. Okay. But it's, it's a strange thing you went there because I was just thinking in my mind. You know, my mom. My mom always dropped the famous Willie Lynch letter every time she get a chance. And it's like, when you listen to what that cracker taught them, you know, it was to separate us from each other. That's how you beat us. You know, separate the woman from the man. You know, make the, make the woman more masculine, which is pretty much saying put the woman out front. Give her the, give her the golden robe, you know, Allow her to achieve whatever is in front of her and allow the man to lose, which is only going to do what? Hurt the man's pride, break the man down. You see what I'm saying? So even if you go to the elders, it's like that was their whole plan. That was their whole ideology. Let's turn the elders against the youth because if you turn the elders against the youth, then the elders can't pass down the knowledge so the youth can transform it or so that you can evolve it, let's use that word, so that we can take it to the next level. Because like you said, once the elders get old in age, they slow down. They can't move as fast. They're not even thinking as fast. A lot of stuff that we seeing, they're not seeing. Because, you know, they're not moving around. They're not really because of their old age, because of their wisdom, because of their health. So it's like if I take that away from the youth, then the youth going straight. Mm-hmm. The only thing that the youth can do is look at whatever type of role models they have. Or <laughs> only thing the youth can do is look up to whatever is in front of them. You know, if the youth has somebody coming through saying, even though you're interested in that, that ain't it. Or, you know, you can be whatever you want to be, but be selective about what you become. It's like 
they snatched the elders away from us so that we could not be brought up the way that we're supposed to be. So it's yeah. like, yeah. that's why when you say phrases like integrate or separate is real. Because by integrating yourself with the enemy, you know, that's just self-destruct. It's infiltration. It's not integrate. It's infiltration. Yeah. yeah. If you integrate, but you've you, been infiltrated. You better believe that right. Right. And and, and then not only infiltrated, you got to have something to infiltrate. When you infiltrate, not only have you been infiltrated, you've been decimated. You've been destroyed. Anything you know, that you in the, the Willie Lynch letter, right? Mm-hmm. In the Willie Lynch letter, not to cut you out, my brother, but I'm going to hit it while you are. In the Willie Lynch letter, mm-hmm. they, compared, they compared the nigger or the black man to the horse. Mm-hmm. And they say, mm-hmm. you know, you buying the horse and you buying the nigger. Yeah. So if yeah. if, if nigger has the strength like the horse, you know, they hold the whole thing with, you know, the, the infiltration part of it because it's like they're trying to, it's like, it's like they're trying to defeat you. You see what I'm saying? I brought the horse into it because of the strength of the horse. So if they're comparing us to the horse and saying that, you know, you buying because what they what they did was say that, you know, you're gonna break a nigga the same way you break a horse. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we ain't gonna we ain't gonna go on the ramp, but the whole part, the whole purpose of that was them saying the only way you can break a nigga is the same way you break a horse. Yeah. 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 So and, and, and the the counter the counter oh, go ahead, my brother, go ahead. No, I like that because uh no, like, that. like what you said, uh, uh the, and, and not only comparing us to breaking the horse, I think that's deep to go into how we was looked at. You know what I'm saying? That's what that Chattel slave was about. They looked at us like animals. You know what I'm saying? That our children would be enslaved. So they had they their techniques were just like that. They checked our teeth. They looked at our genitalia. They looked all in our women. I mean, they totally dehumanized us. There was nothing human about the Negro Negroid slave, about ch- chattel slavery. You know, and I think that that's important when we say slavery that we add that part because, like what you say about the Willie Lynch letter bears witness to that fact. That the treatment, because we'll say slavery, and we'll put that on the same scale of every of slavery uh, that has existed throughout the the annals of, of of civilization, throughout the writings of civilization. There's been some form of bondage, enslavement, or uh, servitude, or whatever. But it is important for our struggle to be when we mention it that it be mentioned as chattel slavery, because there has been very few, if any. You know, if somebody knows of it, call in and let us know because information is power. Very few, if any, forms of slavery that has been like chattel slavery where the children for generations were born property, that that person was complete property. They weren't allowed to own anything, have anything, have any say about it. Even their breeding process was selected or selective or uh, manufactured, whatever the word I'm looking for. 
So I think that's important um, for us to know. Because, and I'm not going to, I'm going to get back to you, work. Because we're talking about, when you're talking about that type of psychological trauma, that type of history, then we have to look at the people who are making up uh, or not making up or who are being asked about the needs, wants, and desires of the African masses. A lot of these so-called black leaders aren't re- don't reflect, aren't connected to our struggle. It's historic. They go back, they were house niggas then and they house niggas now. The house nigga never connected with the field nigga struggle. His struggle wasn't the field nigga struggle. The house nigga struggle was always the struggle of integration. The field nigga struggle was always the struggle of freedom. Yet master still asks his house nigga today what field nigga want. And house nigga don't want freedom because freedom means independence. Freedom means self-sufficiency. And the house nigga is dependent for his livelihood on master. What house nigga going to do is master say, okay, nigga, you free. House nigga ain't work the field. House nigga can't plant a bean, grow a corn, uh, till a hole, nail a nail. House nigga don't know nothing for what master has instructed him to do. So when master's out of picture, what house nigga going to do? Nothing. But what house nigga do do is he come amongst us. And since we still traumatized from colonization, House nigga kind of talk like master kind of so house nigga we kind of give house nigga a little bit of that power or we give house nigga that power when we say I ain't paying no attention to that nigga but see that nigga over there wishing the cracker and he talking for you you can say you don't pay no attention that's why your taxes are fucked up excuse my language family show verbiage alert that's why your schools are the worst that's why gentrification's in your goddamn neighborhood that's why the police are not patrolling your neighborhood through for protection. But patrolling your neighborhood to harass, harness, control, and contain our black asses. That's the very difference because we've allowed house nigga who don't live in our district. And if he live in our district representing us, go to house nigga's house. That nigga got a gate, security cameras, pit bulls, rottweilers, armed guards, and everything. He lives in your community, but he ain't from your community. He doesn't relate to our struggle, and we let these niggas constantly get away with it. I love to see the next generation coming up empowered or looking for that power, searching for those answers. I like that Chairman Work brought up the Willie Lynch letter because we have to have unities on two fronts, and I'm going to go to Chairman Work and let him speak on that because we're speaking about the young and the, the older. Uh, we have to have unity on those fronts. I don't know how we're going to – work that unity out where we're working cohesively and together, and we have to have male and female solidarity and unity, not just in the ranks but in our homes. But let's go to Chairman Work. Let's ask about that that first thing. How can we start to bridge the gap between younger and uh, older comrades in the struggle, Chairman? I mean, in my in my own personal opinion, it's all gonna come through education. You know, we gotta okay. take time to teach. You see what I'm saying? It's just all about what we teach. Mm-hmm. You know, like right now, it's time for nation building. You see what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like while they running around the world, like they're not running around the country. You know, they're running around the world, stripping mm-hmm. countries of their democracy. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. 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 They can formulate this world government, this reign of Mm -hmm. power that they want for the elite or the so-called wealthy. Mm -hmm. But that's why, you know, that's why it was all power to the people because, you know, that small room of the wealthy, we could just easily walk in as the people and carry them out. You know, if 50 million people show up to your front door, I mean, I don't know what you can do with that. If mm-hmm. it's just only 120, you know, elite so-called, or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. Mm-hmm. But they have to know their power, Chairman. We have to know our power as people. See, as long as they practice, as long as we, especially specifically us as black advocates in America, as long as we practice individualism, see, we don't know the power of collectiveness, of a harnessed focus, you know, of a directed focus and, and objective. We don't, I don't think that we really understand the power of that. You know, so you talk about that's how the few uh, retain that power. Like you said, they divide and conquer. They take the elite of us out of the community. Since we don't have a nation-building mentality, we don't see the importance of taking our skills and our talents, uh, some of our money, and giving back to institutions, or we don't have institutions to give to. And so... When we don't have that to get to it, scattered wealth, and what, and since we're chasing the dollar, what our person understands is this. He understands that um, there's a talent there that he can use, and plus he's best served with him and not with us. So he hires them for four to five hundred companies and to be CEOs. Yeah, but see, that's the whole thing. It's like, yeah. It's like the the whole ideology is like, okay, I'm working for you and building the infrastructure, the same Mm -hmm. infrastructure that's going to enslave me. So it's like, that's why the Willie Lynch letter is key. Because it's like, Mm -hmm. what they said is we're going to enslave the generations for generations without them even taking notice to it. But that's mm-hmm. the whole thing. He told us exactly what he was going to do, and somebody finally took notice that the only thing that they said that they were going to do is one thing. What's that? Enslave us. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. matter where, no matter where, no the whole the whole purpose of freedom is is like if I'm continuing to work in this cycle you have created, then I'm enslaved. Mm-hmm. It's like only until I break free from what you're teaching me and what you're showing me and what you're saying and what you got built and what you feel like you got destined for me and all of that stuff. I'm still enslaved. I'm living your life. I'm not mm-hmm. living mine. Mm-hmm. So it's like that, mm-hmm. that's what you have to look at. It's like people don't look at that. They're just like, oh, America knows what's best. Well, America's fucking yeah. us all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like but you know, only they, the people can stop it. But you know, Americans, and, and let me say this, and, and, and then put your mic on mute for a hot minute, and then I'm bringing you right back in. Cause, because, you know, they did a thing on America, like in a survey on uh, America, 
and American citizens in general, I'm not talking about white, black, white, I'm just talking about all of them together, were the most ignorant of international uh, news, politics, and shit going on internationally. That's why they put we are fat, lazy, consumptuous, gluttonous uh, suckers. And one of the biggest lollipops, and I hate talking about our people, but come on, family, I'm going to keep it 21 because we rapping, you know what I'm saying, is us. We consume, so like you said, we don't understand our power. We don't understand how people see us internationally. You know, like you said, they're the biggest uh, people, strippers of real democracy from the peoples, but since we don't even participate in a so-called alleged democracy we have, we don't understand really what's going on globally. It's a fresh, refreshing to hear you, Chairman, speak about that, speak about them going to a one-world order, going to a one unified system and structure. And we don't see it coming because it's the, uh, we can't, you know, it's like not seeing the forest for the tree thing. We don't see outside the box. We've been created, we've been so domesticated that to even think about freedom, like I like to probably use the word freedom, but I always even question myself. Sometimes I sit and think to myself, what is freedom? I have to begin to try to really conceptualize what freedom is because I've never been free and I don't, I've, I haven't come, my people were enslaved. So I have generations of enslavement, generations of dependency on enslaving systems. They've created confused feelings in me. I hate my oppressor and love my oppressors. I love myself and hate myself. I hate my oppressor because I see the oppression that he's doing. I see the oppression. I must love my oppressor because I'm speaking my oppressor's language. I eat my oppressor's food. A lot of my lifestyle is reflective of my oppressor. And there are things that I enjoy. That creates in us an ambivalence, a confused state. You love the very thing that you hate and that you know you should hate, but you have a love for it. I love myself because I am myself. I'm my black African self. But I hate myself because everything around me has taught me to hate myself, and it's reflected in my treatment, not of myself, because we've grown to the point where we pull ourselves, but in our treatment of other black people. Oh, is that... That nigga, that's why I don't buy with black folk. They don't have to do no business. Niggas do this. Niggas been doing that. Hell with black folk, this and that. All the first day, oh, black ass nigga. So it's even reflected. I remember when I was coming up, the thing used to be African booty scratcher. Oh, the African booty scratcher? Damn, that's disrespectful as hell. That's disrespectful. I ain't no African booty scratcher. What is an African booty scratcher? So we've always been taught to hate Africa, anything of African origin, and that creates uh, a psychological state in yourself. So you subconsciously in areas begin to hate yourself. So we do, you know, the sisters buy things, the straight men, they get to weave, and brothers do things to more emulate what they see as success. If it's not physical uh, deformities to themselves, then they begin to dress like the oppressor and think that that's, um, a standard of success. So we, you know, 
And so trying to find freedom in that, what is freedom? And I think that that's a question we have to ask ourselves. But with that freedom, what when I ask myself what is freedom, then I have to say freedom is not, to me, the uh, right to do any damn thing that you want. When I begin to think of freedom, I begin to think of that freedom collectively. What does that freedom look like for a group of people? Not for me individually, I might be sick, but a group of people that can act as the nucleus, that can act as the foundation, as the core to that thing. What does freedom look like for us as a people, a right-minded, right-thinking, right-living, right-eating people? You know, we have to understand. We've been looking at it from it, and we passed that, and I can see the block between the youth and old people because we're trying to impose that on our um, young people, this looking at fighting for freedom from a domesticated state. We need to fight. So we're pushing old rhetoric, the old argument. And they're like, okay, but while we've been fighting for that, while you've been screaming that life has been going on, and while life has been going on, situations have changed. Like I said, we got, you know, teenage pregnant. We got Molly, Molly Percocets. We got, you know, all kinds of shit going on. Knowledge has even changed. We got movements where people saying, you know, they uh, uh indigenous. You know what I'm saying? There ain't no Africa. There ain't no African slave trade. The earth is flat. So even the the arguments and debates have changed. Where are we? And all of these are to be expected and should be welcomed in our struggle for liberation as a people, for unification, for nationhood. They're welcome. I welcome and invite fresh ideas. But where are we gathering these? Where are we using this to harness it, to begin to move us in a direction? Right now, it's just a jumbled mess. It's just a jumbled mess. And like the chairman said, Willie Lynch is in effect. We're arguing with the, the young people, the young people are with the old brother, or with the sister, this, arguing with that. It's, it just became we're arguing like all of us have the one right answer. Like, I mean, we've become so self-inflated and so individual. This is how this European is great. And this is what he did with the social media. He has just let us ride to our hearts and desires that we actually believe that our word is the law. You know what I'm saying? That we get out here and that we just said something, and this is how it should be. Yanga threw out a solution to the problem. That's it. That's just like I tell people, man, we are not a monolithic people. We're not a one people. We're diverse people. The problem affects us in many areas. So we have to begin to build defenses in all of those areas. And one of the areas, like Chairman Work is saying, that we have to really begin to do is institution building. And institutions are there to begin to uh, indoctrinate and bring in the next wave. But in the indoctrination and bringing in process, it's not about stomping out or stomping out or stamping out the dreams, the hopes, the desires, aspirations, the visions of our young people. Come on, well. You know, it's, it's just all about, you know, like, like they said, 
And it's all about making our decisions to try our You know, it's mm-hmm. like, why attach ourselves to something that's oppressive? It's like, if I'm doing everything I can to be the best, Oh, I lost work. You know, trying to limit, you trying to limit what I can achieve. So you mm-hmm. put limitations on you, causing me suffering. You, you locking up my people. You, you know, you doing whatever to keep me from achieving. It's like why even attach myself to that? So it's like all this time we said we need to be a part of this society that's simply trying to, you know, exterminate us all. And, you know, Malcolm X made that clear. It's like, if a person don't want you, you know, they don't want you to be a part of them at all. Like, they don't need you. Mm-hmm. They don't, whatever the case may be. And you still try mm-hmm. to, it's, it's like, it's kind of productive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it makes yeah. perfect sense. If a person don't want you around, they're going to do everything in their power to keep you from being around them. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? They're mm-hmm. going to do everything in their power to hurt you. If they're an enemy or they whatever, you know, the case may be. They're going to do everything mm-hmm. to keep you down. They ain't going to be it. trying to help you. They're going to be trying to exterminate you. Yep. So we got the whole you know, thing. But we got to, you know, it's like you said. But you know what? And then we running down, man, and we winding down. Work, I got to have you back on. And I got to plan the next time I have you back on, man, I'm going to start planning for the two-hour show so we can really break this thing down. But uh, because I want to talk about that, I want to put a pin on what the brother's saying. Because when he was saying that, it made me think about, you know, like he was saying, we want to be around people who don't want to be around us and stuff. It made me think about the kick dog thing. See, that's the problem with domestication. When you're domesticated, you don't go nowhere. You know how you kick the dog and he still come back. I want us to talk about, we're going to talk about domestication of the black advocate, really the importance of that and how serious that is. Because we talked about, I mean, how do you pull a uh, liberation ideology, a plan for freedom out of a people who have not known freedom? I know, see, it's hard to enslave a motherfucker, but once you got them and you do all what you do and breed generations of that, how do you put the fight back? You know what I'm saying? See, we have a fight to be from under the yoke of oppression, but freedom is a different thing. See, we don't want to be oppressed. We want us. We want the oppression to stop. But freedom is different. Freedom is independence. That means work. See, just to stop oppressing me means I still be under your police. I'll still do this. I'll still do that. Just stop beating on me. Just stop killing me. Just stop. But I'll still spend money. But you say I want to be free. You say, "Motherfucker, I don't want nothing to do with you." Period. So that's a whole nother conversation. Hey, Chairman, I'm glad you um, came on, man. I got to have you back to come on, maybe even when I man, come back anytime. Cool, that's what's up. Check us out next week. I believe it's the National Director of Operations. A time, check it out. It's going to be enlightened. It's going to be fresh like we um, always do. And then we come back with you and then come back with our uh, chief of staff. But I appreciate everybody taking some of their Sundays. 
and spending it with us, allowing us to get our political education, information, and hopefully entertainment in at the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination Blog Talk Radio. And I leave you as I greet you. And that's all powers to oppress people, African power to an African people, and black power. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.